We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome in to the week five GoCast. Everybody, I'm Sammy Reed. I'm joined by my two very fishy friends, Nate Noling and Josh ADHD. Nate, how's it going, fella? Doing all right, doing all right. Had a little bit of an interesting Sunday. I had to travel, so um, had to fly out. Missed a couple of the games this afternoon, but uh, profitable week after um, taking a zero, which is always good, so profitable week back on the horse josh how was your sunday man um i wish i could have been on an airplane all day i i did not get to watch any football i had to take a bunch of small children fishing which is oh. something i hate to do that's that's and, brutal uh, and i goose eggs so <laughs> it's been a banner flipping sunday i i like i'm i'm fully on tilt i am Wait. fully on tilt. i have been for nine hours yes you are in the right spot, my friend. This is this is where we come to tilt. So tell me real fast a little bit about, like, what was the worst part? Was it losing money or was it going fishing with a bunch of kids? Unfortunately, I'd have to say it's going fishing with a bunch of kids. The money I could deal with because I made good decisions that didn't work out. So the money, it's it's okay. Like, that that happens. Having to give up your Sunday to take a bunch of little kids fishing, which is it's something I hate to do already. Yeah, yeah, fishing fishing is actually bad. I feel like it feel it, it sounds very un-American. Like if you say that to another man, he's like, "What are you talking about? I love fishing. Fishing is great." And I'm like, "No, that sucks." Like, 
It's like, a I, production. I can see why people like it. Like I, I get why people like it. I, I personally know. do not like it, and I really don't like when I'm conscripted to do things by other people. And yeah, you got you, you got that's roped. The source of my tilt. You got roped into this. This was not. This was not an ADHD decision. No, it would never be an ADHD decision. It's no, just, you, there's you no just, gratification to be. You had. just ran bad, man. You just ran bad. It's tough. I, yeah, this was definitely a run bad Sunday, and <laughs> we're trying to make it alcohol right now. Good, very good. Well, uh, I'm a little under the weather, and uh, and Nate is off in North Carolina, like gallivanting around. So uh, you know, we're just I'm trying to find a spot where the internet is like good, <laughs> and I'm like trying to sit next to the modem here. I think I wish so. I wish all you guys wait, could see the video of this. This wait, is amazing. Where the internet is good, or where like all your coworkers aren't creeping on you. No, it's in Airbnb, so it's like a nice place, but uh, the internet apparently is very spotty in the room that I was just in, but I think I'm good now. Nice, so. Yeah, we just got a nice tour of the place. It, it is nice. I, it, it is nice. Uh, it is nice. I've been there. So this should be good. Yeah, and there's no moose heads on the wall from what I can see, though, so I, that's slightly disappointing. Or no, there face. isn't. Yeah. Well, you got, so. great, you got great acoustics in there, Nate. Uh, let's, uh, let's go over our lineups. Let's, let's wash this tilt out. I'm a little tilted from Sunday. Um, I, I did profit, but I, I could have profited like 50% more if I didn't, uh, make a swap this morning, which I never do. And I did this morning and I'm super Sunday morning swaps are always just, they're just bad. Like they're just bad. It wasn't like anything based on new information, which I'm okay with. It was just like, you know what? I think I like this better all of a sudden and I shouldn't have done that. So was it something that you liked early in the week? Yeah. I mean, something I that you decided that you just liked this morning for some reason. Yeah. I just decided I liked it this morning. Like I liked all the players, but I had it one way and, uh, and I had that, you know, I had it in since Thursday and I was like, good. And then this morning I just like woke up early and I was like checking stuff out and I'm like, you know, I actually think this is a little bit better. And uh, it, it was not better. It was not even close to better. In fact, it was quite a bit worse. So we'll get into the details of that. Uh, Josh, tell me about uh, your score. What did you put up on DraftKings and cash this week? So I put up 129 on DraftKings. Oof, yes. Yeah, it was um, – yeah, you just just imagine getting your nuts kicked for like seven straight hours on a Sunday. Yeah. That's my day. So, so you're out on this boat and you're catching fish and the kids are screaming and drinking Capri Suns and you're getting sunburnt and being bummed out. Are you like checking your phone as this is going on or did you like leave? I tried, and- I tried really hard not to be on my phone the whole time and to be like, you know, to the whole be here kind of thing that people talk about. Be engaged. I yes. I tried really, really hard to be engaged. But every time I looked at my phone, it was just like, son of a, bitch <laughs> these assholes are not scoring like what is wrong with football why, today why, why, why am i score still zero what? what's happening yes so yeah it was um every time i looked at my phone it was just this total total nut kick yeah and what about what about for you nate uh i put up a 148.24 in cash so um ended up doing doing all right um could have been a much better day i think i had some run I mean, we'll get into it. You probably don't think it was run bad because you thought he was a bad play going into the week, but a new no with a zero uh, hurt me quite a bit. I think- <laughs> <laughs> He's just like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to jam in receivers against. <laughs> Dude, a new one was uh, the, 
the volume the new was seeing yeah, is like I don't know. I I again, I'm just not gonna let a tough matchup in the slot like concern me. He runs 48 percent of his routes. I knew he was gonna be running against Chris Harris, but they play enough zone. I don't know. I thought again, I'm not gonna be talked off a matchup when I think the volume's gonna be there. I'm gonna go there. Uh, Anunwa was seeing, I think, what the seventh seventh most targets. Um, you know, seventh highest weighted opportunity rating. It's to me where his, he was priced this week. I thought I wasn't really concerned. So, so well, the so, game script that happened in that game, like the game script that happened was not the game script that anybody envisioned. I would assume. Where mm-hmm. they just got out to this huge lead based on their running game. Like the last yes. game never hits for the Jets. Well, well, I think the important thing that, that everybody really wants to know is when you saw these deep bombs going to Robbie Anderson and him – you know, galloping 70 yards for touchdowns. How did that make you feel? What were the emotions that were going through? Yeah, it was pretty chill. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Uh, you know, when you see that, like, wait a second, they are able to put up points. Like, I was expecting them to be behind and them having to throw and just figured Anuno would just continue to get the target share that he'd been seeing, um, you know. But um, I don't know. I just thought the volume would be there. Unfortunately, it wasn't. Um, you know, I think he's, you know, he was seeing red zone target. I mean, everything about his volume profile looked, uh, looked worthy of a play this week for me. Um, but bit me, but I think, you know, the rest of the lineup, I think my biggest question was just before the game, uh, my QB one going into, you know, from a value per dollar standpoint was Patrick Mahomes, uh, really wanted Mahomes. And then, um, on our text thread this morning, actually Davis was concerned about the weather in that game. And so I actually got talked off of Mahomes. Uh, so it was a, what was my swap? It was oh, the, the, the Matic Sunday morning weather takes. Yeah. The very, Matic, very yeah. smooth. But I mean, it wasn't too bad of a swap. It was, I think it was Mahomes and Landry versus Goff and Woods. Um, and I ended up on Goff and Woods, which ended up working out. There were some variants in that, in the favor for Woods with, uh, some of the brutal injuries that the Rams faced. Obviously the Cooks one was, uh, disheartening to see for sure. I mean, I, I just, NFL's brutal, but, um, it was also some run bad for Goff. I think some, I mean, Gurley getting three touchdowns like that. That was yeah, who could, that's tough. Who could, who could have imagined? Gurley no, it's not that. Down. It's just when you have a quarterback who's with an implied total of that and to only put up one touchdown, he got the 300-yard bonus. He did everything. Like, you're not going to get that. Normally, when you have a quarterback that's in a game that put, shoots out like this, they're going to see more touchdowns. And so I, I think, think Goff I think he, the lower I think he almost had a touchdown and it got called back too. I think, yeah. like, I think one of them was to Gurley and it was like a little like forward pitch and like Gurley got – called in and he brought it back and then you didn't get and it, it was on the one so then he, yeah. yeah so it was i mean i think golf here at 19.34 whatever he had i mean it was 300 pass 300 plus passing yards with a p- passing touchdown i think he was on the bottom side but i thought mahomes and um mahomes and golf were my f- two favorite cash quarterbacks this week so okay so you had golf and josh what did you do at quarterback so I used Stafford, and he I was had, really popular. He was twenty he was super popular, twenty three percent in the uh, big single entry twenty five dollar double up, which was a lot higher than I was expecting. Was he like getting pumped by? Was he that chunky? Yeah, I couldn't believe it. Got, like, I think I think one yeah, of the was, I think one of the like projection systems or something like that was was really high on him. Yeah, and he was a guy like I, I kind of picked out when I saw prices come out this week is thinking like, you know, that's 
I, that's a really good price for him. And he could hit for 30 points, I thought, pretty easily, given the type of offenses both of these teams have and, and the defenses they have. I thought, I thought that was kind of a shoe-in for like a floor like 23 points. And he went way below that. The other guy I had targeted this week was Kirk Cousins. And, I, and this morning, I kept tinkering with the lineup. And I was like, I really want to get Cousins in here. But I couldn't make it work with the rest of the guys I wanted to put on the roster. So I defaulted. I went back to Stafford. And I was like, you know, can I fall back to Bortles here and do something with Bortles that gives me a little bit of flexibility elsewhere? It was 200 bucks. I couldn't make it work to where I could rebuild the lineup with some other guys I wanted. So I was just like, all right, well, to hell with it. I'm going to run Stafford and trust what I thought very first in the week that this is a high floor matchup and just to work out, you know, that, that game was really weird. Yeah, it was weird. Like Blunt got two one yard touchdowns and I wasn't watching a ton of the game, but I know like Galladay had a long touchdown called back because of like hands to the face. I was watching this on Twitter and then Marvin Jones like clanked a long one. Like it could have easily gone a lot better for Stafford. He he ran pretty bad. Yeah, for sure. And that's, yeah, so like when I when I talked earlier, it's like just you know, it was a it was a good process, bad result week. I mean, that's just like that totally plays into it. That's exactly what I feel like I had, and you know, I, if if things had just gone like normal for Stafford, it would have been a good week. Like you know, even though he's so highly owned, I feel like I would have made out on that decision. Well, yeah, him only him only getting twenty six pass attempts or whatever he got was not in the range of outcomes that I saw. I mean. Yeah. You know, they are they're throwing at a pretty insane rate right now there in Detroit. And so from a game script standpoint, I I I could see Stafford just from a pure the amount of pass attempts and just what you're gonna think with the, his receivers, you know. Um I think people underrate how important it is for a strong receiver core. And I think Stafford was a fine play because of that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you guys really bring up some really strong points and have some really great reasoning. Uh, but the truth is you're both fish and didn't play Blake Bortles, the God in cash, like I did. So I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know what you guys were thinking. It was all set up for trash time Bortles. I mean, owning Bortles is in an experience of its own because for the first two hours of the games, I'm just sitting there pulling my hair out. Like, why did I do this? Like, why did I play Blake freaking Bortles? I'm such, I'm such a guppy. And then he just ends up with like 430 yards and multiple touchdowns and the five turnovers was like not even an issue. Didn't he break like a 30 yard rushing touchdown too? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Something like that. That yeah. was tilt. He definitely did. Um, he ended up with like almost 29 DraftKings points. <laughs> and he's just like the worst quarterback you've ever seen in your life. He's so bad. Like, he throws the ball. I mean, it's like it's like y'all ever see Byron Leftwich throw, or I mean, Nate, you watch <laughs> baseball. You ever you ever see Justin yeah. Verlander throw? It's like a full windup. It's like it takes <laughs> it's like bad. Eight seconds for him to throw the freaking ball. It's out of control. It's wild. Like nobody ever taught him how to throw a football. It's crazy, and yet I'm trying to think of some of these Japanese pitchers that have like seven hitches. <laughs> yeah, he's like Hideo Nomo. <laughs> Nomo. He's exactly. like Tanaka. It's out of control. <laughs> But you know he just uh, he just did Blake Bortles things and scored twenty nine points. So you know I'm not mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you guys do at running back? I mean, I think I uh, I think running back was the interesting spot. I think for me, I went with uh, three guys that I thought was going to be pretty chalky. Uh, it wasn't as chalky as I expected. I went with 
uh, Christian McCaffrey, DJ, and uh, TJ Yeldon uh, for my three. Um, it wasn't as chalky as I was expecting. Uh, Josh, Sammy, what would you guys do? Well, let Josh go first because this ties into my brutal, like, want to punch myself in the throat with brass knuckles 2v2 swap. <laughs> yeah, so it's, I, I decided to run just two running backs this week. I, I felt really strong about some of the wide receiver plays that I had, so I went with two running backs. I went with Joe Mixon and David Johnson. And that was part of that decision-making process was that I had identified two wide receivers that I thought were must-have on my roster, and that led me to paying down, I would say pay down a bit for a bell cow. So I went to Mixon and Johnson instead of playing Connor, instead of playing McCaffrey. Um, instead of playing um, Melvin Gordon. So it's like 6,900, 6,300 for those two players. And they did fine. Like, you know, between them, they were 41 points. I'm not going to complain about that. They had excellent days. So, so, so you it, played DJ and Nate, you played DJ too? Mm-hmm. And I also played DJ. Uh, let me just throw this out there. Uh, we're all really dumb for playing David Johnson, and we ran incredibly hot for him to get 21.1 DraftKings points. Because – Dude, I'm watching this game. Like, it all sounded like a really good idea. And Arizona is just a bunch of bunglers. Like, their offense is so freaking bad. Like, all they do is run it up the middle out of a one-back set and just run, like, dives on first down and then throw incomplete on second and third, and that's how it goes. Like, he was so lucky. This was kind of like the the last-ditch effort for me with Arizona with David Johnson this year is like, you know, he's super cheap. We talked about how cheap Kareem Hunt was a couple weeks back and that he was just kind of a the nuts cash play because he was $6,000. And I felt that way about Johnson this week. I was like, this is probably one of the few games that they're going to have positive game script and can get Johnson rolling. And they they are so stupid. They are the dumbest offense I have seen in the NFL since the last two teams I watched on Sunday night football tonight. Yeah. Yeah. It's completely like Dallas Cowboys offense. And it's just, they are complete numbskulls out there in Arizona. And it's just until they change the offensive coordinator out there until they change what they're doing. I can't play David Johnson anymore because you cannot rely on a last two minute touchdown to boy you're scoring for a running back. That's that cheap. Yeah he, yeah, he got that he got that garbage ass touchdown at the end, and I was like, "Thank the good Lord, I'm not playing David Johnson anymore." Like that was it. I I won my money. I got lucky. I'm out. I'm just out. Yep. So uh, what what I did? So I'll, I'll talk about my two v two here. Uh, this morning, I had Yeldon McCaffrey and David Johnson, and David Johnson was always a play for me. Um, I just thought he like my thinking was that he was because too you're a fish. Yeah, because I'm a fish. I mean, that was my thinking. I'm just, I'm just, I have gills and scales and that's what I do. You know, I I don't have eyelids. I just like, when I sleep, my eyes are open. That's what I do. And I was like, David Johnson got to lock him in. (laughs) Right. And then, and then McCaffrey, I thought was a good play. Like McCaffrey's just like really high floor. Um, I didn't love him, but dude, with the, with the work he gets on the ground, he's just so high floor. He's an ideal cash game play. And then I thought Yeldon, I wasn't in love with Yeldon, but it was fine. And what I did have at receiver, I had uh, Adam Thielen. And so I had Thielen and Yeldon, and this morning I swapped them out for Melvin Gordon the third and Marvin Jones Jr. And that cost me, I ended up with 146.6, which was definitely good enough, uh, way above the cash line, did fine, like solid, I don't know, like 20 some odd percent ROI overall. Um, in cash, it was better than that. I think I ran under in GPP. But 
it was like half a, I would have had 50% more profit in cash if I had kept it the way it was. Cause I loved Adam Thielen. I loved Adam Thielen. And I just said, Oh, you know, Gordon against Oakland is just going to smash and it's going to be great. And, uh, he, he was fine. He was great. He had 110 yards and a touchdown, four catches. He did Melvin Gordon things, but he didn't absolutely smash. And I think Marvin Jones might have been like a fishy play. So um, let's let's talk about that. Let's go to receiver. Nate, what did you do at receiver? Um, receiver was where I think I am always going to differ from the field a little bit. Uh, and today, I think the question was all about uh, MVS and just what, what you were going to do there. I felt it was pretty thin um, with MVS, uh, but the more I looked at it, the more I just realized, like, this is going to be one of those things where uh, if the field's going to be on him, even if I don't think he's a great play, there's just so much variance that can go his way with Aaron Rodgers being his quarterback. It's just dumb to not play him at 3.3 at 50% ownership in cash games. So uh, I lock in, in this double up and, and I just referenced the $25 single entry, you know, it varies by tournament, but he was 36.1 in that one. Okay. I mean, there were some 50 fifties that he was 59 plus percent. So. Yeah. I mean, the, there was, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm looking through some of the lineups and the ownerships in this tournament. And like, people are actually bad. Like there is still a significant edge in DFS. Like Aaron Jones was 19. I can't seem to find it. Yeah. Aaron Jones was like 19, 20% owned in this tournament in cash, in cash. Like I thought Aaron Jones was, I, I, I liked him in tournaments, you know, it's mm-hmm. a good, it's a good, like, low price shot to take, but, like, in cash? Are you insane? Have you lost your mind? It's crazy to realize that, like, you're a fish, and yet there are still species of, like, non-developed, like, non-evolved fish that are lower than you on the food chain. And that makes me happy about DFS still. Yeah. So I went uh, MBS, I went Woods, uh, and then I went Anunwa. Um MBS, I think, you know, was terrible at, yeah so then i went woods and then anunwa uh, anunwa is the one that sammy's gonna say is terrible but uh we've already well I mean, let's 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 talk about that for just a second it, it'll be a variation of a conversation we've had before but it, obviously you look at you know you go to airyards.com and you look at you know weighted opportunity and and anunwa was like top 10 coming into this week right I mean, I don't know if he's top 10 going into this week. Um, let's see where he's at after this week. Uh, season summary. He's but, but, but bottom line, let's talk about how you see that as like descriptive versus predictive. So I, I, actually, like, I actually do project out um, air yards, targets, and things like that. And so if I look at today's just based on my projections going into this game uh, uh, and I look at weighted opportunity rating – uh, Julio had the highest weighted opportunity rating on the day, then Corey Davis, then Odell Beckham, then Devante Antonio, AJ Green, and then Quincy Anunua. So right there, um, if I clearly just look at like weighted opportunity rating, one of those guys sticks out, and that's going to be Quincy Anunua at 5,200. And so uh, I projected him with almost a 32% target share um, here, and at 5,200, like a target share that high, I just – I'm not going to fade that. So, so, so um, I guess talk to me about what goes into that. Like, is it that he's had a big target share through the first couple games this year, so you think he'll have that same kind of target share this week? Or, like, how does that – and I'm not trolling you here. Like, how does that work? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it starts with looking at, like, um, 
you know, what are just the, histo- what are the rates target share that, that I feel comfortable projecting for the rest of these guys? You know, you look at Robbie Anderson, you look at Jermaine Curse, you look at Bilal Powell, uh, you look at Crowell, like, you know, Tomlinson, look at the rest of these guys and start projecting things out. Uh, and then overall, you know, I just have to get to a hundred percent. So when I start looking at things and I start plugging in numbers based on season averages, look at their weeks, I wait recent weeks more than I wait uh, prior weeks. Um, and these are the numbers that I can come up with. And then I, I do some manual and adjustments and tweaks and, and stuff during the week. Like, uh, for example, Mixon this week being coming back a little bit injured, uh, his rates were a little bit lower than just inputting him in Giovanni Bernard's spot from last week. Uh, so, I mean, I do some manual adjustments, but at the end of the day, I, I get to a hundred and look at things from there. And so, um, yeah, I look at Quincy Anuno's rates. Uh, it was like right around 32, you know, you project that out with the projected pass attempts that he's going to have. It's going to be close to 10, uh, close to 10 targets that I see. And at 5,200, I just, I don't know. Um, so, so Josh, let me, let me get your take on this because as we were watching this God awful Texans, uh, Dallas Cowboys, I don't even want to say their name. They're so bad. That freaking game's brutal. Um, as we're watching this, there's this Twitter conversation going on where, uh, Frisco, Josh, a uh, really good data analyst, guy who created airyards.com. Uh, he was kind of having some fun on Twitter saying that defense doesn't matter, et cetera, et cetera. Um, in a situation like Anun was, where he's facing a pretty tough corner like Chris Harris, um, how do you kind of see those things? Like, what's your take on this whole conversation? So my, my take on it is I, I tend to agree with Hermsmeyer in that defenses, for the most part, do not matter. But I, some of the work I've done, and, and he kind of capitulated to this a little bit, indicates that the top defenses at creating quarterback pressure are legit. Like, that's a real thing. And it, more often than not, what they do is they create blown blocks by an offense, and blown blocks lead to quarterback pressure. So to that, to that end, there is some, I think, some merit to defenses matter. I think his contention is that primarily wide receiver or cornerback matchups don't matter because if an offense does what they need to do to get the wide receiver the ball, it doesn't matter who's covering the guy because they will make targets to that, to that wide receiver. So, yeah, I, I approach modeling in a little bit of a different way than some of the ways that I – see Josh going around that argument. And I, you know, one of the things that I do is, is mixed modeling. And so, um, I look at a data set. And so from, let's just look at, um, wide receivers, for example, I'll take a data set of 2017 data. Uh, I'll look at the wide receiver. I'll look at the passer. I'll look at the defense. I'll look at down distance, you know, yards to go, whether it was indoors, outdoors, temperature, everything like that. Um, and I'll start building a model and trying to project it. And the model will always increase in accuracy uh, from a predictive standpoint when I include defense in there as a random effects term versus when I do not. Um, and so if I, if I input a null uh, defense in, it actually decreases the uh, predictive power of the, uh, of the model. And so you so, can so, argue so say that, so on, say certain, that on certain on certain metrics, it's more, the, it's more than others. So for example, on yards per carry, like if I'm actually just trying to project out yards, it's not great. But when I look at like air yards and there's certain things like that, that certain defenses actually, when you look at uh, certain uh, receiver archetypes and where they're going to be targeted, certain ADOTs, there are teams that over a season are consistently bad in specific spots. 
That doesn't necessarily mean that from a year to year standpoint, that stat is going to be sticky and predictive, but in season you can model it out because defense has changed so much from year to year. I don't believe that just because Denver was a nonstop defense last year or Jacksonville was that that means going into this year, they need to be, but that also doesn't mean that it doesn't have any predictive value because DFS is a week to week. You have to find a more, um, you have to find a way of modeling that can actually include some of that year to year, week to week stuff, and not just look at it as an overgeneralized year to year. What's sticky from five years ago to this year to this year to this year? Right. If you if you can prove it week to week, that's what general. I mean, that's what mixed modeling is built for. Hierarchical. I mean, this is this is this is why it exists. And when you throw a factor like that into a model that isn't predictive, it will literally just not include it. It will put that effect at zero when you look at its. Um, when you look at the actual model summary. And so, uh, yeah, generalized linear mixed models is how I, is how I build my framework. And that's, you know, I can very quickly tell you whether or not something matters. And most of the time I've actually found that like identity of a receiver versus their height or their weight actually matters more on some of this stuff than identity. When it comes to touchdowns, most receivers actually don't have an ability to create uh, a higher touchdown rate based on that target more than their height or their uh, weight will tell you about them. And so there are plenty of things that I will agree with Josh on, but I think specifically with defenses don't matter. They just matter a lot less than most people agree with, but to, to just not include them at all seems asinine to me. Yeah. So I guess the, the bigger point I was trying to make is that at least in, in my research that defense only matters to the point where the offense respects it. And I think I, I kind of, I'm, I'm re I'm, I'm re-summarizing what I said a few minutes ago that if an offense gives too much credence to a defense, then it will make the defense more powerful than it seems. And I think that happens all too often. In the I, i.e., If they see a tough uh, cornerback matchup, they'll tend to throw away from that corner and not give that receiver as many opportunities. But yes, because it, uh, I would say by and large, NFL coaches are stupid. And they will, do the, like the, they will do the most negative EV thing they can possibly do, which is – they will castrate their own offense because they think it is the best thing for them to do from an efficiency standpoint. And that's right. So you, so you can't go in assuming that people are going to act in a logical way. Right, right. And that, get, that gets back to the, the concept of rational coaching that Sigmund Bloom talks about quite a bit. Right. And I think as, a, as DFS players, that is something that we, we forget to keep in mind way too often and I'm guilty of it as anybody else is that coaches will act rationally. They do not act rationally. And I, I, I think my lineup probably speaks to that a little bit this week and that I built my lineup thinking that coaches would act rationally. And I probably got four spots that I could argue in hindsight that the coaches did exactly what they probably would have done if I had thought about it from their perspective instead of my perspective as a logical human being. Fair. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Um, so, what, I mean, like one of the examples that I'll put, like I'll just pull up a model from this year and let's look at a dot. So if I'm trying to project out a receiver's a dot, the identity of the receiver is 18 times more important than the opponent. And the identity of the passer is, and the identity of the receiver is four times more important than the actual passer. Uh, and so when you talk about who does a dot own belong to, it's the receiver, but just inputting the receiver's uh, but it's not a hundred percent the receiver. It's right. eighteen times more important than the offense or than the opponent. It's four times more important than the passer. But to include those as zero as null, it's is just not accurate. No, but so the scale so of which like, you include them though, it's not. You don't include it fifty fifty. You don't make the defense more powerful. 
it's, it's a tiny part, right? Correct. That's why I model it this way where I don't have to, I don't have to make manual adjustments and go, Oh, Jacksonville, I have to bring this guy manually down. No, I can put Jacksonville into a model and go, what has Jacksonville done above zero from a Bayesian approach to all opponents that they have faced and actually apply like with proper shrinkage and other effects like that and actually bring things to the mean, you know? He said proper shrinkage. <laughs> shrinkage is a... Caught that one too. <laughs> it's a term. <laughs> Your model's a little bit cold, Nate. <laughs> I've, never, I've never heard Nate is passionate on this show ever before he went on his model rant. This is great. He went on a, shrink, he went on a shrinkage rant and he yeah. does like... Man, the Sorry, I just had to get out there. <laughs> Maximum shrinkage for Nate. What did you do at receiver, Josh? Okay, so I ran, I ran four receivers, like I said earlier. I, I felt really strong about a couple plays, so I put one in the flex. I ran Adam Thielen. Um, I had Nelson Aguilar. I had Taewon um, Taylor. And then flex, I ran Keenan Allen. And, you know, Keenan Allen, he did okay. He didn't do exactly what I – he didn't hit his floor, in my opinion. He was a little below that. But he was in the Hermsmeyer Air, Air Yards buy low model this week, and when – in my opinion, when a Chargers player shows up in the buy low model, I think he's a must play because that's a high volume passing offense typically. And for Keenan Allen to show up in that model, I thought was very significant. And to me, it, it merited a must play. And I had kind of circled him early in the week when this pricing came out, just saw the matchup. And I was like, that game has shootout potential. That game, both teams could get to the upper 20s, low 30s. And if that happens, Keenan Allen is, I thought he was a shoe in for 25 to 30 DraftKings points. And obviously so, Oakland, didn't, Oakland didn't play their part. So, I mean, yeah, because they're coached by John Gruden. Um, it, so here's where I would say that I would probably challenge a little bit of the, of the Keenan Allen because, like, cash games are so much – obviously you want a ceiling and you want upside, but you also want a high floor. And so talk to me a little bit about your like thought process of a guy like Keenan Allen over a running back, you know, like, I mean, like McCaffrey was 200 bucks more. I'm not sure how significant that I $200 could have easily put Saquon Barkley in at running back for yeah, Barkley or, or Connor, David Johnson like to my flex. Yeah. I mean, that was a soup. And, and I struggled with that this morning. That was one of the, that was one of the tweaks I, I messed with. And I came back to the, the thought that, I had, I had ID'd Keenan Allen on Tuesday as a guy that I thought was a must play. And the same with Adam Thielen. Those two guys, in my opinion, they were, it was non, a non negotiable. God, I wish I'd stuck with Thielen. I'm such an idiot. That they were going to play. Like, it's just like, they, so I couldn't get them out of my lineup. And if I can't take those two players out of my lineup, then I cannot play Saquon Barkley. Absolutely yeah, I, cannot. I don't mind the, you know, I just think from Keenan, there were a couple guys around him from a price tag that I, like, I, I think I, I like Saquon more. I like Thielen more. And I think Devante was the clear, like, I mean, for what was Devante, $200 less? Like, if I had that much to spend up at a wide receiver, like, what were your thoughts on Devante this well, week? How, well, first off, Nate, how much do you dock? And obviously, he had a great game. I think he had 32 points. But how much do you dock a guy like Devante who – comes in with an injury. I know that Chris Raybon's done some work and shown that like receivers will lose between 10 and 20% of their effectiveness based on like lower leg injuries. How do you factor that in? Honestly, I, I do less with injury work than most. Um, okay. I, I, uh, 
I, it's one of those things where and if I'm confident a guy's going to be playing, I, I, I'm, I'm going to include him in as, as full health. I might dock their uh, volume a little bit. Like, so when I knew Joe Mixon's coming back and uh, it's early in the week, they said, hey, they're going to ease him in. Okay, I'm not going to include just his season rate from a target share projection. But uh, from an efficiency standpoint, I don't dock it just because there's so much variance with efficiency already that um, trying to account for how injured a player is, it's so hard to know these days. So, so, so I might go to Josh side of that. Yeah, Josh, back to back to Nate's question about how you kind of juxtapose Allen against some of those other guys at a similar price point. Yeah, so like McCaffrey, I I liked McCaffrey this week. I didn't have any problem with McCaffrey. It's just you know that three hundred dollars is kind of a breaking point for me with the way I wanted to build the rest of the roster. I mean, it was just I I couldn't justify it. I couldn't find a guy that I could drop a price and feel like I had a better roster altogether. And then you know we. James Conner, you know, I could have played James Conner really easily. And looking back on the way I built my roster, what I should have done was gotten off a full slate and played early games only. If I had played early games only, I would have made a much better lineup this week because I would have played the guys that hit this week. And that's a little bit results-based, right? That's, there's kind of a problem there is that's results-based. But I think I would have made better decisions by not trying to shoehorn so many late-game guys into my roster and just stick with the early game guys that I felt had the best, had the best production profile. And that was obviously, that was Connor. I mean, Connor would have been a shoe in Saquon. He's a shoe in. And then I get Thielen and I get Keenan Allen out of my lineup and I do something else at receiver. And it's probably like Tyler Boyd at 5,700, who I thought was a, a super solid play at his price. And then I might've, I might've run, um, gosh, who else? I can't, I can't think of who else off the top. I might've tried to put in Odell Beckham Jr. at 8,000 instead mm-hmm. of Adam Thielen. And I've just run, you know, just run um, either like a McCaffrey and, and Beckham stack on a game stack or, or run Barkley and Beckham together. And either one of those would have been better mm-hmm. from a results-based standpoint. You know, and so maybe, maybe that's the decision I need to make next time is when, I, when I'm trying to justify the late game guys, especially in the flex versus the early game guys, maybe I just need to get out of it and go play some early game slates and try to save myself some heartburn. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, like, yeah, I think it's a little results-based just thinking that because if you believe in your process, like, you kind of want more – I don't know. I, I think you want more options because there's more decisions to make. And if you think you're better at making decisions than other people, like, you, you want that, I think. Mm-hmm. so. Uh, Nate, that's, why you- showdowns, that's why showdowns are so fun for – uh, people this year is because it increases the variance so much that you don't know if you're good or bad. It just gives oh, yeah. everybody. We roll. Everybody. You're yeah, playing the lotto. You're yeah. just playing the lotto. Yeah, you're just you're just like playing a tournament, and everybody's got 15 big blinds, and let's let's roll. Um, but I'm a hypocrite. I love show. I love showdowns. <laughs> <laughs> you guys I'll can't see the video, but these eyes just like dilate next, the moment he says showdown. <laughs> yeah, next next to show the Red Bull. Though, that's I don't the thing know. that gets Nate going. <laughs> what would you do at tight end Nate? I went Kelsey and this was a tough one for me all week. I think at the beginning of the week I was like, Oh man, I really like Kelsey. And then I'm like, I can't play, I can't pay six K for a tight end tight ends where you pay down. Um, and I was looking at guys like Herman and other guys, but the more I looked at stuff, the more I looked at six K and I looked at the six K price range for like wide receivers. And I said, okay, what do I project Travis Kelsey for from a, uh, just a pure targets perspective and just like a workload perspective. And I projected him to have uh, 25 or w- w- above 25% target share with, um, you know, a decent, um, 
a decent amount of targets because I, I knew Kansas City was going to throw in this game. So um, when I looked at wide receivers from a similar price tag, I just said, um, you know, take their position aside. Who else would I rather play at 6K and below? And the only guy I could come up with was like Kenny, Kenny Galladay that was even going to be close. And Kenny Galladay is just such a higher range of outcomes uh, from a variant standpoint than uh, Travis Kelsey just based on his eight out and his type of play. And so I just, the more I looked at it, the more I felt comfortable with Kelsey and just said, instead of viewing it as a tight end position, what if I just viewed this as four wide receiver positions? Um, and uh, I was fine with Kelsey by the end of the week. And I know a lot of people think that's probably fish uh, to play Kelsey, but the only thing that I almost got off of Kelsey today was until Sammy helped me out a little bit was Davis did get me concerned about the the rain there in Arrowhead. And I did get off of Mahomes and cash. And then I was like, well, I had the Mahomes Kelsey stack. I guess I got to pivot off from a, pivot off from Holmes and Kelsey. And then Sammy's like letting rain get you off Kelsey. Are you serious? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, yeah, no don't, yeah I didn't. Don't be a fish, bro. Um, I, I didn't even talk about my receivers. Uh, so I'll just say them real quick. I did Juju cause I was huge on Juju this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, I wanted shares of that Atlanta Pittsburgh game. Like I really did. And Juju caught an early touchdown and I'm just like, it is on. bitches, And it 100%. was not on. It wasn't on. Like it wasn't it's even stopped. on at all. It was yeah. off. Yeah, it, it was just off. He ended with thirteen point four. I was like, wait, what? What happened? That's four what he had in the first quarter. Yeah, he had four for thirty four, and then AB just started like making it rain, and you know that that all happened. Uh, and I had uh, MBS. I also played Valdez Scantling because you know he's just a goat, and you got to put in goats when they're three point three. And then this I had Marvin. Exciting. And then I had Marvin Jones instead of Adam Thielen because I'm just a damn idiot. So uh, at tight end, I played McDonald. What did you do, Josh? So Yeah, I, I fished it up with McDonald. And it, I think Nate – see, Nate and I have similar process on tight end, and I'm really, I'm really pissed at myself because I didn't follow through with this, you know, the kind of the fourth wide receiver idea about tight end. I wanted to play Ertz all week long because I thought Ertz was like this total lock for 20 points. He was, he was, he was the yeah. play at tight end, and he ended up it, being the play. Yeah, and even at 6,500, I thought he was a value at, at his position, even though yeah. he's the most expensive tight end on the board. And I wish I would have stuck to those guns, because I, I feel like I could have found a third cheap wide receiver, or I could have found a cheap running back. Or I, like I like Valdez Scantling, bro. Yeah, that – okay, I want to get into that in a minute because I think that was a total fish play that worked out. But, <laughs> but you know, I, I really wanted to get Ertz this week. But I ended up on McDonald because I – just like everybody else thought that Atlanta's this total black hole in the middle of the field. And if you didn't play Juju, you had to play Vance. I just, I just played them both. And, frankly, I don't know what happened because Vance last week played a lot. And I don't, I don't know if you guys have the snap count data or anything yet or the routes run, but like I watched that game and I felt like Vance was not on the field all that much. Like James got a couple catches. Grimble got a catch. They were really, Pittsburgh really came out and said, we're going to run the ball. And uh, Garrett, uh, the, the star defensive lineman was out for Atlanta yeah. as well. And so they really went after them on the ground. They were playing a lot of tight end heavy sets. Um, and which is and, probably why James and Grimble were on the field instead right. of Vance. Yeah, because they're the blocking Vance tight ends. Vance is like a, a flex out tight end, like he's just a catcher. And he, I don't think he got nearly as much time, so I think he kind of got game planned out of this game a lot. And uh, and I was not expecting that, so uh, I'm kind of bummed. Maybe I maybe I should have been. What was his ownership? In, uh, in it was 40, high, forty eight point two percent. Because in general. Yeah, 
in general, when you're going cheap tight end, which I almost always do in cash, you want a guy with a massive team total. Cause really what you're shooting for is a touchdown. And so like mm-hmm. the, number, the number one thing you want is like a, a home guy with a big team total. And if he's coming, going against a bad defense like Atlanta, all the better. Um, so for me, I, at the beginning of the week, I was just like, oh, I'm playing dance. This is easy. And I'm still kind of surprised he didn't do anything. So Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with the Vance call. I think the, the one thing I would say is regarding the Ertz and Kelsey thing is, I mean, just look at some of these guys' usage. They're being used like wide receivers. I mean, when you look at like the yeah. expected points based on the route trees and based on what these guys are running, I mean, literally, we're talking Travis Kelsey has almost a 10 uh, average depth of target, um, 10 yards down the field. I mean, he's literally running routes like a wide receiver. And so just because his designation on DraftKings is tight end, do not let that talk you off of paying up at the position because it's essentially just another receiver here. Um, well, and, and the other so. thing, Nate, is just from like a, a game theory lineup building perspective is that there is a clear delineation between the upper tier and the lower tier. And the lower tier is yeah. all just like this amalgamation where you're like paying three grand or 3,500 and you're just trying to hit. And then there's the upper tier, which is just a couple of guys. You know, it's kind of Gronk and Kelsey and Ertz. And those guys are heavily involved and have a really high floor and all that stuff. And so you're actually like, it's just a tier difference. And you're really like gaining a leg on the rest of the field if your tight end hits and they're like all playing Vance McDonald like fish. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that's the only reason I really was able to squeak out of cash with a zero this week is because um, Kelsey had, what, a 16-point advantage on – Vance, so having a 16-point advantage on how much of the field way more. put me in a good spot. So Yeah, way, way more than that. I mean, Kelsey was 5 for 100, so he scored 18. Vance scored 1.6. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. But, but so this is something we talk, you know. So 16.4. Yeah, so, yeah, thanks. So when we did uh, the, the, when we do the pod with uh, Dave Potts, who's a really sharp uh, baseball DFS player and a goat, he talks a lot about, breaking the, t- the slate down by tiers, right? And if he only sees one or two good mm-hmm. options at a position, he wants one of those options, right? He doesn't look at mm-hmm. it like, you know, just like how does this lineup fit to get – let's – one of his first go-tos is, hey, listen, this guy is way better than all the other guys at the position. I want to make sure I get him because spending that money is going to give me such a big advantage over everybody else who doesn't spend that money there. And I think that's something that I need to start doing – with this clear, clear delineation at tight end moving forward. Cause I almost never pay up for tight end in cash. And I mean, I don't want to overrate one week, but I think this has become a pretty significant trend. Like tight ends are bad except for a couple. Yeah. And I think that's what I've been trying to say a little bit with um, is the reality is with DFS, there's kind of two ways of going about it. There's the very generalized, very structured and rigid. Hey, I'm going to look at the last 10 years of historical data and say this, position averages this point per dollar on DraftKings salary. This is where you want to pay up. This is where you want to pay down. And yeah, that's, that can be a statistically rigorous way to approach it. But at the end of the day, every slate is different and every slate you need to look at it instead of having these rigid rules, go in and break down the slate and go, okay, who do I want? Who's going to be playing? And, and then go from there. Cause there's going to be weeks where we get three, three K wide receivers or something like that that are jam them in plays where it's, you need to pay up a tight end this week, you know? And, and, so we just need to look at it per slate. Yeah, really, really good take there, uh, which is surprising from you. Let's talk a little bit about that. <laughs> Let's talk about the DSTs that we played. Uh, Josh, what did you do at defense? 
Yeah, so I, I went back to the well. I played Cleveland Browns at home because I they were they were dirt cheap. They were at home. And I know that Baltimore is prone to mistakes when they're pressured. So it was kind of a really simple decision for me. Get get they some road fine. get they some played, road flacco. Hey, here's here's the thing. Cleveland with, yes. with Miles Garrett out there can create pressure. I mean that's easily. easily. So and, uh, and Shogun. Yeah. So uh, oh, Nate what mm-hmm. Nate, what did you do, mate? I went to Eagles. I just thought they were a good price play, you know, with yeah. um, Minnesota banged up a little bit. I just, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm it didn't work out. I'm surprised that Minnesota did as well as they did. Uh, I, was, I was huge on their passing game because Philly can't cover, but I thought that Philly's defensive line against the offensive line of Minnesota was a huge mismatch, especially on the road where communication yep. can break down, et cetera. And they only got four points. And they were one of my higher-owned tournament defenses. So that was a little disappointing. Uh, I, the, the Phillies just not been as good uh, this year yeah. anywhere as last year. So Yeah, it was disappointing for sure. Yeah, I, I played the Bills, um, and I didn't love the Bills. I wasn't like, ooh, I'm pumped to play the Bills. I just That was the money that I had, and I don't really make a lot of concessions for defense and special teams. They were at home against Tennessee. Tennessee is just I don't I don't think they're very good um Mm -hmm. and (laughs) I know they I know they had a good game last week but like on the road they're 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 just not good and so I was like oh some bad stuff can happen they ended up scoring 12 DraftKings points for 2.3 which was you know but maybe last week should have been the indication that we shouldn't play Philadelphia this week on defense yeah maybe so you might be right about that you might be right about that Mm-hmm. I mean, I just, I just thought it was a different story with them at home, you know, like these, these home and away games, like teams can look so bad one week on the road and then look so good the next week at home. But yeah, that, that I didn't, didn't work I out mean, for Philly. I thought the Eagles were. Defense doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, so real fast. Uh, I mean, it, we need to wrap this up kind of soon, but let's just talk about some key takeaways from today. Uh, Josh, I mean, you were on a boat all day, so I don't know if you got anything for us, but, but, uh, well, anything, I, anything I, that we, you from today? he's got an MBS rant. He's got to get out. Oh yeah. Lay it on us. Yeah. So I, I, I feel like, I feel like MVS was a fish play today and I, I understand that he was $3,300 and I understand what he enabled on your rosters from a construction standpoint. Like I get all that and I see why folks would play him, but it's very difficult for me to advocate playing a wide receiver in like his, basically his first game in this situation in cash. It's just like, I, I, without a prior, without any kind of prior, I don't, I'm, I don't understand. I'm assuming you haven't seen his player him. profiler page. No, I know he's tall and he's fast. <laughs> like I understand. I saw Davis Maddock go off of the, on him. <laughs> Definitely shared it with me early in the week via text message. I'm like, oh, yeah, like, 100%. I, I mean, like, I, 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 no, I read about him when it was draft season, and I, I thought about him in best ball drafts in the last round. And I understand the, why you would like a player like him, but it's Do difficult. you need to be good? Do you need to be good when Aaron Rodgers is the one throwing you the ball that many times? Okay, so somebody else you, on the what field? you just said like 10 minutes ago was the wide receiver owns a dot. Mm-hmm. and. The quarterback only contributes a little bit. So, but there's a league average. Now. There's a league average a dot that, that, that most players are going to be within. Uh, and from when you look at his height profile and what you could have projected him to be at, um, I, 
I don't see how you, I don't know, at 3,300, I just played him solely, not because of my belief in his ability, but solely because of my belief in, um, in the fact that when you have Aaron Rodgers throwing you the ball, uh, anything can happen. You're going to score. You could fall into a – Josh, you could fall into a touchdown if Aaron Here, Rodgers is – Here's, here's no, the other – You haven't seen me run, bro. <laughs> here's the other thing, just from a game theory perspective, is that he was 3,300, and he allowed you to do whatever you wanted with the rest of your lineup, um, whether that be good or bad. In my case, yeah, not that great. But he also was going to be so highly owned – that the price that he cost and if he didn't do good, like the, the negative just space you get from the rest of the field wasn't all that great. So I actually thought he had very low downside, even though from a points perspective, he probably had a fairly low downside. I felt like from a holistic view, like a game theory perspective, dude, even if he scored five points, it didn't sink your battleship. So I was okay. With I mean, he could have he scored zero at 50% ownership, 3,300. He's not going to kill you. He almost, he almost scored a touchdown, man. He, he was he was real close. Yeah, I mean Much he had. Than, he's twenty two hundred dollars cheaper than Quincy Anunwa. Yeah, the Anunwa <laughs> zero hurt. You know why the Anunwa zero hurt so much, guys? Is because he was one percent owned. And yeah, that one percent was me. You're pretty good at those one percent uh, owned plays in cash, Nate. So I I don't know. Like I I thought about that decision as soon as I knew that he was going to play significant snaps. I thought about it long and hard, and I was like, you know what? I could put Ty Montgomery in at running back for thirty eight hundred dollars, and effectively I'm making the same decision as playing MVS. But it then it allows me to play a wide receiver that I like even more than probably a running back. And I, it's just that was I struggled with that all week, and I backed off of both of them at the end of the day. And it, it probably cost me because I didn't put in like this total, what, what ended up being the free space for 18 points instead of Taewon Taylor, who ended up being total garbage because his offense is garbage on the road, apparently. Yeah. And it, it's just, you know, again, that's results-based thinking. And that's not what we do here. We're like, we're not results-based thinkers. We don't do that. But I, I, I think that NVS was, it worked out. I think it was a bad play bottom line this this is fair um nate what was what was uh what was kind of some of your takeaways from the slate uh my biggest takeaway is just don't allow davis matic weather decisions to ever impact my financial decisions that i mean that's probably the most important take that we could possibly i shouldn't have got i shouldn't have got off Mahomes. i was on Mahomes. i mean luckily it was only like a one point differential with him and Goff because Goff is just in such an efficient elite offense that it worked out. But um, yeah. It's interesting too, because like it, the, uh, as much as the, of the data is that you're into is that, I mean, we know, like we know this because there's enough research done that the only weather that adversely affects NFL games are winds that are sustained above 20 miles an hour. I know. I know. I, mean, I, was feeling and, confident. And like, I don't know if you know this, Nate, but snow helps out the run game a lot. <laughs> It does. We had the LaShawn McCoy game. We damn sure did, bro. That was a hell of a week. The internet's going to drop off. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Nate's like, how is it? The internet's cutting out again. So, yeah, no. I mean, can rain hurt an NFL game? I, I think no. yes, but it has to be like, it has to be like hurricane. Yeah. Was, that's why it was fishy. It was because I was getting off my data. I wasn't confident in my projections because everybody was scaring me about Jacksonville and me losing some faith. When you have skin in the game on these things, it gets it gets scary when you're locking it in with rain, Jacksonville. Thinking, what am I thinking? 
but no, I should have stuck. You know, you, know you got to come on the show later, and we're gonna roast you like you played the Chiefs against Jacksonville in the rain. <laughs> you fish? <laughs> no, like, but like, really, like the the thought process you need to have is like, okay, well, if I'm scared of the weather, what's everybody else thinking? They're gonna be more scared than you are probably, and they're gonna be backing off the game, which gives you even more leverage on the situation. But leverage isn't necessarily what I want in cash games. Sometimes in, in tournaments, that's fine. But in cash games, at the end of the day, um, I'm way over leveraged already when it comes to my 1% receiver. Okay. Points. <laughs> okay. I don't need to have, I don't need to have more, more leverage at a position where there is so little variance when it comes to, you know, Mahomes versus Goff. the projection difference there is less than two points. So, I mean, I'm not going to conviction play for you, right? Like Mahomes was a conviction play before you got scared of the weather. Yeah. Right? And I got talked off of it because of the weather. It was a fish. So if it's a conviction play, why would you back off of that? Because I was a fish. Josh, the whole thing is me admitting I was fishy. <laughs> Bless you for that. Just like, man, Davis reeled you in, bro. Yeah. He, he got you. Yeah, you're Billy Bass on his wall right now. Yeah. Well, Davis, Davis also played Stafford in cash, so, you know. Well, we got that yeah. All right. Well, good place, good place to wrap it up, my friends. Uh, this has been the Week 5 GoCast. As always, you can find Josh on Twitter uh, at FantasyADHD. You can find Nate on Twitter at Nate Noling. You can find me on Twitter at SammyReadFI in between my uh, seasonal baseball tweets. I do occasionally talk about football, and you can enjoy that. So uh, good luck. Hope you guys smash this week, and uh, we will talk to you guys next week. Take care.